0: Tonight is August the 16th, 2017, and the message tonight is called Fear Not. So we're going to have an opportunity tonight. Get your pens and your paper ready. You're going to have the opportunity to leave your orange jumpsuit, your grave clothes in the grave tonight. You're going to have an opportunity to do just like Jesus, resurrect and have a new life. Amen? Amen. All right. From Pastor Wade's message on Sunday. Have you been turning an ear to hear the Lord? How are you doing with that aspect so far? Today's Wednesday. We've had about three or four days. So tonight is a night that you're going to be able to take time to listen and obey His Word. We're going to shmah tonight. We're going to listen to His Word and we're going to obey it. So I really want you to turn your ear to hear what God is saying to us tonight because I feel like this is a very timely word for our church. For a lot of things that myself and a lot of my brothers and sisters are going through. So this is not just a word that uh, was picked out of thin air. It's something that really means a lot to me. And I think that uh, the Lord wants everyone here to hear it. Okay, Let's get started with Proverbs 1 verse 7. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. If you look at your footnote there for the word fools... It says, it denotes one who is morally deficient. Morally deficient. I can't go any much further with this sermon until we turn to Proverbs 12, 1. That's right. We're going to read Pastor Matt's favorite scripture. Here we go. That's right. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. I was looking at another translation, the New Life Version. don't know why anybody would read that, but I like this. It says, (laughs) listen to this. Whoever loves strong teaching loves much learning, but he who hates strong words is foolish. Come on. How many know that we're getting some strong teaching here? Amen? Yeah. Yeah, we're getting strong teaching here, and we love the learning. So you have to ask yourself this. Why is it that we could do the first part of the scripture, but we can't do the second part? We love all the teaching, we love all the hard teaching and learning that we're getting, but yet when it comes to the harsh words, we want to shrink back, and we want to all of a sudden become fearful. Do you know how much hard work our pastors put in to discipling us? Okay? These three men pour out their heart day and night to put not only Proverbs 12, one into action, but they're mezuzah statements in action. Okay. These three men, their desire and their heart is to stir us up, create an environment here that they can help to prepare us for our works of service and to propel us into His presence. Is that not what our pastor's uh, mezuzah statements are? Yeah. And that's exactly what they do day in and day out. So I'm going to challenge you church tonight. Tonight is a word that you need to hear and obey. These men pour out their heart for you. So if you do not receive this correction and put the second part of this scripture into action, I'm going to say it. You're stupid. You need to take complete advantage of that while you're here because that's why the Lord has sent you here. If you're not sure why the Lord has sent you here, then perhaps the Lord really hasn't sent you here. Okay? Go back to uh, Proverbs 1. The word fear. The fear of the Lord. The Hebrew word... Of fear, just in general, is Yahweh. It's Hebrews 33:72. This word means respect or a bowing down aspect to the Lord. This is what Pastor Wade taught us whenever we had our parenting class. He did the paleo for this word, and it came out to be worshiping the first leader, a bowing down. as compared to what it means in verse seven. ...is Yerah, Hebrews thirty-three seventy-four. What well, this one is, it's a respect and an exceedingly reverent fear of God. And you might say, wow, that's awfully close. It kind of means the same. Let me give you a good example of how you can understand this. The second one, Yerah, is that it has a hay at the end, which is when we receive the revelation... That we fear God, that we have a great understanding of who God is in our life, and that we know Him and that He knows us. So, the example is this you can say that you have a fear. Let's say a fear of heights. I'm standing right here. I can say that, but until I actually get to the very edge and someone asks me to jump off, now I have the revelation of what that fear is. Does everybody understand? So the thing is, you cannot have a revelation of the fear of God in your life unless you're actually doing that. Unless you're actually putting into practice having a fear of the Lord. Which means you're creating a relationship with Him. It means you're praying, you're worshiping, you're getting in His Word daily. And you're finding out everything you can about the Lord. Let's read Hebrews twelve two. This is what I first thought of whenever I was looking at the Hebrew difference here, and looking at these words. Yeah. Amen. Hebrews 12:2. It says, "Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God." How are we doing with this? Are you keeping your eyes focused on Jesus Christ himself? So that way you can endure the cross that the Lord has given you? He tells the disciples, pick up your cross and follow me. So what cross are you bearing? Is that cross fear? Fear of something? And we'll get to that in a moment. But what is the cross that the Lord is actually asking you to endure? So that way you have the opportunity... To sit at the right hand of the throne of God. If we view this in a correct manner. The fear of the Lord. I just told you it was about respect. Reverence. Obedience. It is a reverential awe of God. It's a worshipful respect of his presence. And it allows us to walk in his obedience. Or in our obedience to the Lord. See, we have to have a relationship with Him. We have to turn our ear, and we have to listen to the things that He's saying. When I stop and think about that, it's like, have you ever had a conversation with someone? And they're talking, and they're talking, and you're like, hey, hey, I got to, hey, hey, And you can't ever get a word in. And then they even have the audacity to ask you a couple questions. Hey, are you going to, and, you, and you're like, wait, wait, can you let me have a chance to answer? I think sometimes we do that to the Lord. We come to the throne room of God, and man, we have a laundry list of things. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. Lord, I want this. Can you do this? Can you do that? Lord, here's my thing. And then we just run. We get out of the way. We don't take the time to sit and actually listen to the Lord's response to us. And I think that's why we do not develop that healthy fear of the Lord. We say we have it, but truly we're not walking in it. All right. <clears throat> To contrast this, when we naturally hear the word fear, it is something that's dreadful, something that's terrible, ter- uh, has a terrifying aspect in our life. So whenever we first think of fear, it's something that we want to shun away from. Sometimes we're more fearful of our punishment because we don't want to do something because we're more afraid of the actual punishment than the actual thing that we fear. Does that make sense? So we have to be careful that we are not developing a fear within ourselves that we are setting up as an altar or as a God in place of God. We need to maintain that healthy, proper fear of the Lord. Let's go to Proverbs 1, verse 1 through 6. And we're going to see the reason here. For not only the Proverbs, but for walking in faith daily and reading the Word of God of what it does for us. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple... Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise what shema. Let the wise shema listen and obey and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and the riddles of the wise. Look back at your footnote here. Um, the word simple. Also in verse twenty-two. We're not going to turn there. But it also says that this word simple is someone without moral direction. Someone who also is morally deficient. So if you're morally deficient, are you saying, I'm stupid? I think that's the point we're getting at here. That in our simple ways and in our foolish ways, we become morally deficient to where? We're not able to hear what God is actually saying to us. We have put on a different ear than the ear of the Lord. Amen. Um, Joy, would you put up for us this picture to see what fears are in our lives? Can you all see this? So this is just a list that I've come up with. It's not exhaustive, but here is 12 of them. Fear of man, fear of failure, fear of discipline, fear of authority. We just talked about discipline. Fear of inadequacy, financial loss, disappointment, the past, the future, fear of rejection, fear of commitment, fear of loneliness. Now, your fear may not be up there, but I guarantee you, we all have a fear somewhere. So, if it's not on this list, I'm going to ask you, don't answer so quickly to say, no, I don't have a fear, because maybe it is your pride that is not allowing you to admit the fear that you really do have. Because I can tell you, somewhere in us, we all have somewhat of a hidden fear. When we just went on a Mexico trip, we went on a Mexico trip, and Kim and I had the opportunity to do worship and to preach. But do you know, whenever you're challenged, and you're pressed, and you're put under pressure, that's where sometimes these hidden fears come out. For me, myself, I realized that I had a fear of man. What's funny is that man was my own self. I was afraid of becoming the old man that I used to be. Now, before I got saved, I was a lot of things. I used to be a lot of things. One thing I wasn't was a godly man. Kim, she had the opportunity to do guitar and worship. At that moment, she realized she had a hidden fear. Her hidden fear was the fear of inadequacy. So by us being in that moment pressed challenged, it exposed a hidden fear, something that we didn't know. That's why I say, doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith, fear itself could be covering over a fear of something. So, again, how many of us have our stones? How many of you in the church have been here since the men's reload in June? Raise your hand, just by a show of hands. Okay, that's a good bit of us. So, First Samuel 17, 40 talks about the stones. King David, that's how he overcame his obstacles. That's how he overcame the uh, giants. And he picked out five stones. Not just any five common stones, but it says that he picked up five smooth stones. So, of course, my wife and I, we happened to pick up our two smooth stones. Here's what the Lord revealed to me and Kim whenever we were on this mission trip. For myself, the fear of man, myself. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. I thought to myself, man, I'm a new creation. I'm in Christ Jesus. There's no way I could become that old man. If I'm living with the fear of the Lord by the Holy Spirit dwelling in me, there's no way I could become that old man again. But fear had crept in. Fear crept in and was making me believe something that it was not true. Um, somebody say, I'm alive in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. Kim's word. First Chronicles 28.10. Consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a temple as a sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. This is life-giving, you guys. Having these two has set us free from those fears. So now we can advance in the kingdom of God because we're no longer held by these grave clothes. We've taken off that old green, uh, uh, orange jumpsuit. Doesn't matter whether it's green, orange, whatever. Whatever your fear is, it's now gone. For Kim, for the Lord has chosen you to build. Church, what is it that the Lord has chosen you to do in your own life that fear is keeping you back from? Think about that. Tonight's a night that we can be set free, that we can move forward in the kingdom and no longer be held captive by our fears. Mine, therefore, anyone is in Christ, your new creation. I read that, I told Pastor Matt earlier. I said, Man, this is something we all learn whenever we first get born again salvation, right? I thought to myself, Man, that's, come on, Lord, really? Is it that easy? Is it that simple? Is it really going back to the core basics? And yes, it is, guys. It really is. We try to build ourselves with all this knowledge, try to become smarter, try to prove to other people around us who we are, what we are. Sometimes we just have to go back to the core basics here. Just go back to the very basics that we learned. to that joy of His salvation. There are times when we are walking in our faith now that we don't have the faith whenever we first started this salvation walk for me 10 years ago for my wife 12 years ago you have to ask yourself how long has it been for you are you just as joyous today and excited for the things of God in your life as you were on that day today is no different than that first day God has not changed he says it himself I'm the same yesterday today and forevermore so if we're trying to be like Christ why is it that we so change from day to day Some of us like the shifting of the wind. Today we're this, tomorrow we're that. We don't hold on to the promises of God. He speaks something to us. Today it's great. We're going to tell everybody. Two weeks from now, we even forget that the Lord spoke it to us. Fear will creep in. And when it does, it will actually lead to our destruction and to our death. Having the fear of the Lord... Everybody turn to Daniel 1. <clears throat> just put your finger on uh, verse 17 is where we'll start here in a minute. We talked about the stones. Men, I'm going to address you for just a second. All the hands that went up in this room. If you... ...or not teaching this to your family, if your wife or your children do not have stones for the things that they need to overcome in their life, I'm going to say to you right now that that list of fears, you may have just found out what your fear is, which could be fear of leading your family, because these stones are so life-giving, it's, it's what keeps us from life and death, you say, well how do you know what is a stone, how do you know if it is the right stone, And that's why I made the point to say, David picked up five smooth stones. He picked up just the right one. So it is with the scriptures that the Lord reveals to us when we're reading his word. Don't just take anything. Don't take something that you Google. Don't take something that maybe even somebody gives you. Pray about the word that somebody gives you. But search the word yourself and find the exact stone that the Lord wants you to have to overcome the fear or the giant that's in your life. So how do we know that stone is a stone? Because the word says that the word itself, it's alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing bone from marrow. So when you read a scripture, and it cuts your heart, and it pierces your heart, you know right then and there, that's the one. (laughs) Like I was sharing with the pastors earlier, that scripture that I had from uh, 2 Corinthians, I thought... Come on, it's got to be harder than that. I'm like mining in the Word here. I'm looking for something deep, something out of the Old Testament, you know, some good nugget that I'll be able to share. Like, you know, it gives glory to my fear, I guess is what I was doing. And it's that. It was simple. Very, very basic. But when I read it, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, okay, Lord, I get it. That one is for me. And so that's my stone. All right? So the fear of the Lord, we're in Daniel. Daniel. If we can have the fear of the Lord like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had such a fear of the Lord that when they were pressed, when they were pressured, they did not bow to King Nebuchadnezzar's golden idols. They wouldn't have any of it. Or even Daniel himself. Daniel, when he was in Babylon and he was going through his training, he refused to defile himself himself by eating the food and the wine that was set before him from the royal table. I mean, how many of you know when you're presenting with something like that, would you even stand? Would you say, "Yes, oh, I could do it. I could do it." No, sometimes that's where that fear creeps in. We say, "Yeah, I know I'm supposed to fear the Lord." But man, it's set before me. Our flesh so desires sometimes those things that are set right before us. So let's turn on uh over here. Verse 17, we're going to see <clears throat> what God says about this, these four men. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them in, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in his whole kingdom. let's reflect on that for a second so they get knowledge, they get understanding all kinds of literature and learning, look what it says it says that when the king talked to them he found none that were equal to them and that they were what ten times better than anyone around them for everything that was asked of them for all all questions that were brought to them they knew ten times what everybody else knew we read earlier that, uh, that scripture about how strong our teaching is here. We're getting equipped and prepared here to be ten times better than those around us. And it's not for boasting. It's not for saying that I'm better than you. But what it is is so that way we can enter into the king's service. How many of you want to be able to enter into the king's service? Amen. 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 That's exactly why we're here. We're here to be ten times better. 10 times better guys that's just heavy I'm thinking about that I said let your ear be turned to the word tonight that we would hear and obey 10 times better how do we do that we do that by participating and being involved in everything guys reflect on your week reflect on your life here are you missing Monday nights? Are you, is, is church an option on Wednesday? Why is it that Wednesday nights are not as full as Sunday? Are people really taking to heart the scripture? Are they really coming to be equipped so that way they can enter into the king's service? Or do we allow fears and other things in our life to keep us away from the very thing that God has brought us here? See, fear, <laughs> the enemy will use fear to try to kill you, to try to dissuade you from doing the will of the Father. I say it like this, that the enemy tries to defeat you by using what I call a 3-D effect. You have that uh, slide, Joy? Here's a 3-D effect, 3-D effect, the 3-Ds, because it's in your face, it's very direct, Fear gives way to doubt, then to defeat, and then eventually to death. Pastor Wade preached a message back in February called In Your Face. Daniel taught uh, Friday, and he also referenced that message. I'm going to do the same. If you haven't heard In Your Face, go home and listen to it. Again, these are the things that we can do here to be ten times better than those around us, because The reason we need to be that way, guys, my family and I are getting ready to go to Peru. We need to be ten times better. The Lord has called us to be ten times better. If we do not answer the call and you do not do your part while you're here in the church, the Lord will look around the earth and find those that are around you that are ten times better, and He'll give your position to them. Do not fool yourself. If you are not being equipped in doing what you know God has sent you here to do, He will replace you. All right. Yeah. Ask Judas about that. Judas found his seat vacant, didn't he? So, the three, the, uh, three doubts, or the, the three fears. Doubt, defeat, and death. Uh, King Saul he is a perfect example of this, and what I want to do is walk you through this because we're going to see in these scriptures where he begins to doubt, where he begins or where he gets defeated, and then we see his death. So let's turn into First uh, Samuel nine twenty one. Yeah, y'all had a head start. First Samuel nine twenty one. So to give you a little insight to this story, this is where Saul is becoming or trying to become anointed by Samuel as the king of Israel, okay? So as soon as this is mentioned, here's Saul's response. Saul answered, But am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel? And is not my clan the least of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say such a thing to me? (laughs) As soon as he's asked and talked about becoming the king, he starts immediately doubting and giving all of these excuses. I told Pastor Wade, this was funny. As I was preparing the message and I put this together, he asked me Monday night after foundations, Hey, man, so you ready? I was like ready thinking, yeah, I'm ready for Peru. He's like, no, ready to preach on Wednesday. I was like... Oh, yeah. I said, Pastor, I work today. Man, I got a long day tomorrow. I got lots of paperwork to do. And he's like, yeah, amen. I read this. (laughs) The Lord said, buddy, are you a Benjamite? I was like, oh, like, yes. What happened to the scripture that says yes and amen, Lord? The answer is yes and amen before it's even asked. I thought, God, I blew it right there. Talking to my pastor. Yes and amen, Pastor. I'm like, wow, that's so easy. Didn't do it. I thought to myself, no, I'm not a Benjamite. What I am is a lion from the tribe of Judah. I'm just like my king. And in the name of Jesus, I proclaim that. So I'm not going to allow fear to creep in to tell me that I'm something that I'm not. So he's a Benjamite. Don't be a Benjamite, guys. Um, Immediately, he puts up a front, and he's all full of doubt. I know. I look around a lot of you guys are laughing. You're like, yeah, I don't feel bad, brother. We've been there too. I know. That's why it's funny. It's because we've all been in that place and when we've asked something, deep inside you want to do it, but again, fear creeps in immediately and you start doing something and saying things that you shouldn't. I have an acronym here for fear. Write this down. Fear is false evidence appearing real. That's what this doubt does. This doubt in our life. Joy, would you put up the uh, slide again of the fear? Fears that we have in our life, please? Yeah. Okay, so fear of blank. And you fill in the blank with whatever your fear is. Like I said, your pride may not allow you to say that. So how about this? Maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's doubt. Doubt, fear, I think we can say it's synonymous with each other so doubt. So what is it that always causes you to doubt? Um, For me, it was because of my past. So I know what used to be. It was it was at one point in my life it was real. So I began to have that doubt. Is it the fact that you have disappointed somebody in the past? So therefore you know that it's a possibility? It could actually happen? Is it finances? Is it the fact that by your own mighty right hand, you've always worked, always have had a good job, and you thought to yourself, I'll never fall into this category, but then what happens when you lose your job? Now all of a sudden you don't have the financial security that you once had. So perhaps it's not fear, perhaps it's doubt. Doubt will creep in just like fear. Like I said, they almost mirror one another. This fear, this doubt, what it's going to do is paralyze you is going to keep you from attaining the things that the Lord has set before you to accomplish. I was talking with Pastor Wade. He was talking to me about being on the interstate and um, almost missing your exit or thinking you missed your exit, and all of a sudden you have that instant doubt. And I told him, I said, Pastor, I said, we feel a lot of that on Sunday morning. It's dark. We're going to the prison. We're talking. We're sharing the word. And what do we all look for, guys? Those that are driving, we always look for those flashing lights, huh? Yeah. What happens when those flashing lights are out? Yeah. All of a sudden, doubt creeps in. Man, did I pass it? Did we go too far? Are we going to be late? Are we going to make it? The prisoners need us, you know. Or are we going to get in trouble? Same way it is in our life. Sometime, the Lord takes the flashing lights off so that way you can't see what's ahead. So that way we can have more trust and faith in Him and just rely on Him completely. So quit looking for those flashing lights. Quit looking for the things that are very secure in your life, begin to have a reverend fear of God. Amen. All right, let's go look at uh, Saul's defeat. <clears throat> 1 Samuel 15. So look at this. He goes from chapter 9 to chapter 15. In six short chapters, our brother goes from doubt to defeat. 1 Samuel 15, verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was what? I was afraid of the people. And so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go back with you. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as king over Israel. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. Samuel said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. Didn't we just hear in Daniel 120? Ten times better. What did I say? That if you are not trying to attain to be ten times better in what God is asking you to do, He will give it to your neighbor. Don't fool yourselves. As doubt, as defeat, as though that's not bad enough, let's turn to 1 Samuel 31 and see about Saul's death. Because we're not just talking about a spiritual death here. We're talking about something greater. We're talking about a physical death that occurs because he does not have the fear of the Lord in him. <clears> 1 <throat> Samuel chapter 31. We're going to start here in verse 4. Saul said to his armor bearer, Draw your sword and run me through for these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor bearer was terrified. That's that other word that we use for fear that was the um, Yirah no it was uh, Yare it was the Yare where you actually have fear that is associated with terror and dread but his armor bearer was terrified and would not do it so Saul took his own sword and fell on it he ends up killing himself here is the leader, and the leader is fearful. What happens whenever the leader falls into fear? He kills himself. So kind of a lot like what fear does to us. Fear paralyzes us. We end up killing our own selves. We get to a place where we're so wrapped up in things that really aren't true. What I say that that acronym was? right things that are not real trying to appear as though they are what happens if our leaders here what happens if our leaders just go away from the fear of the Lord without them we're no longer equipped guys so think about it now what if today was your last day to be discipled by our three pastors this was it what you got up to this point that's it telling you some of us are not equipped and I include myself some of us are not equipped right now to go out and be in the king's service that's why it is so important that we maintain fear of the Lord that's why we can continue to encourage our pastors they need it just like we do they're here to disciple us but they also need our fellowship that's why they open the doors every day of the week they don't do it just because they want us to come they do it because they want it as well this is a mutual thing here Look in verse 5. Watch this. So it's bad enough that he kills himself. But you're going to see how the effects of our sin, which is fear, you know, we can call it fear all night long. But ultimately, guys, that fear of whatever, it's ultimately sin. Because we're putting that fear of whatever above God. Verse 5 goes on to say, When the armor bearers saw that Saul was dead he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all, everybody say all, all, of his men died together that same day. Whoa. So this brother does not have the fear of the Lord. He gets overcome with it, kills himself, and then the rest of them follow suit because they do not have... Enough fear of the Lord as well. They become fearful. (laughs) Again, what if this was your last day here, guys? And our three pastors were no longer available to to disciple you? What would you do? Where would you go? Do you feel like you're already ten times better than you were when you got here? You might use that as a way to gauge yourself of where you are at. Let's just let this be a moment of reality. 10 times smarter, 10 times better than when you got here. Some of us have been here for 3 years, 6 months, some maybe for 10 years. But are you actually 10 times better now, today, than when you got here? That's a very good an assessment of your life. Let's keep reading. <clears throat> Let's jump down to uh, verse 8. Verse 8 we're going to see that not only did his fear affect others around him, but watch this about his death. It says, The next day when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head and stripped off his armor. They sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashereths and fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. <laughs> king Saul's life did not glorify God at all. Even when he died, he did not die a martyr of God. He did not die in a manner that was worthy of his king, of God. But instead, even at his death, his death and the way it took place, it glorified God the idols of his enemies. The enemies took pleasure in the fact that he killed himself. They went, and what, did they, what does it say? It proclaimed the news in their temples to their idols. Think about that, guys. We are here as ambassadors of Christ. When my family and I go to Peru, I'm going with the fear of the Lord upon me so that we can proclaim the great news of Jesus Christ that we might set other captives free. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> Turn with me to First uh, Chronicles chapter 10. We're going to see here a, a summation of King Saul's life. Verse 13, 13 and 14. It says, "Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He did not keep the word of the Lord, and even consulted a medium for guidance." and did not inquire of the Lord. So the Lord put him to death and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. That phrase, did not inquire of the Lord. Again, we turn back to turn your ear to God. Turning your ear to God. Remember what I said. It's not that we just go and petition the Lord. It's that we go, we give our petition, and we sit and we just be silent and we listen for the Lord's response so that way we can get guidance from him and we're not running out to some magician. We want to get the guidance from not only the Lord himself, but through the Holy Spirit. At the end, it says what? Turn the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. (laughs) Again, whatever's supposed to be yours, if you are not running after it and you're allowing that fear ...to keep you at bay and not move forward, it's going to go to someone else. What is belongs to you is going to go to someone else. So, how do we avoid this 3D effect in our life? Can you put that slide back up for us, Joyce, so we could see it, please? This 3D effect. How do we avoid allowing our fear to rush this doubt in and get us defeated and eventually causing our death. Let's go back to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to see here eight things, eight principles that if we can apply it to our life, we'll be able to understand the fear of the Lord. You guys are quiet tonight, is it uh, because we're meditating and listening to the Word, or what? Amen. All right, applying these eight principles, Proverbs chapter 2, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, and if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, if we can do these things, again, let's take a moment because this is very key for your understanding the fear of the Lord. These eight things, accept my words, store up my commands, turning your ear again, the Shema, not just hear, but listen and obey. Applying your heart to the understanding, that's that Proverbs 12.1 getting some discipline, applying our heart to the understanding whenever we're corrected, whenever we're disciplined. Take it and learn from it. Call out for insight. Cry aloud for understanding. Look for it as silver. See, these eight principles, silver is in here because it's what? A sign of redemption. By doing these eight principles, putting them in our life, THE OPPORTUNITY FOR REDEMPTION TO LET THE FEAR JUST SIT ON THE SIDE BE ABLE TO WALK BOLDLY AND PROCLAIM those, THE THINGS THAT GOD HAS GIVEN US AND LASTLY SEARCH FOR IT AS FOR HIDDEN TREASURE AMEN GO ON TO VERSE 5 <clears throat> IF WE DO THIS OKAY THIS IS ONE OF THOSE IF AND KIND OF STATEMENTS IF WE DO THESE THEN THIS YOU DON'T GET THE THEN UNLESS YOU DO THE IF EVERYBODY REMEMBER THAT STUFF IN SCHOOL the if and statements. Okay. It almost, it's like a Calvay Comer. How much more will you get if you do this, you'll get this. Yeah. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom and from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds the victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. For he gore, guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. <laughs> we understand the fear of the Lord and he is the one who holds that victory for us. He's the one who's able to give it to us. We Guys, this is so important that we attain to these five principles because we all want to gain the victory. But it doesn't come without a cost. It doesn't come without a price. When we see this from Jesus, what He accomplished on the cross, not only for Himself and for His Father, but for us, it comes with a cost. He got the victory. He got the victory of the cross. We have to do the same. We have to carry our own cross daily so that way we can get the victory. But it doesn't come freely. It's not just given to us. There is some suffering that goes on. We know that the suffering is going to come. Sooner or later, we have to embrace it. Look, the suffering that we're going to receive for preaching the gospel in other countries, I, I haven't really heard a whole lot because I wasn't here on, on Sunday about, you know, the team in uh, Turkey. <clears throat> but I remember from the trips before, they went through some, uh, some persecution for preaching the gospel. So look at it this way. What you're doing now here at the church, sacrificing a little bit of work, a little bit of money to make it on Monday nights, to make it on Man, we think we're dying. We think like, wow, that's persecution to the highest. This is nothing. Guys, if, if you're struggling with this aspect of the, the fast pace of life here at the church, uh, the things that you feel that the pastors are demanding of you that's just out of this world, if you're struggling with that now, Wait until you get the call to go to a foreign country. The persecution is going to be 10 times greater. So if you yourself are not 10 times greater, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Okay. Applying these to our life. We have eight principles to apply. But you say, well, that's great. What does it look like? How do we put this in practice? Because I'm a very visual person. People can tell me these things all day long. I'm like, oh, even when I talk to the pastors. Oh, pastor, that sounds great. I'm with you. I'm, all, I'm there all the way. Uh, yeah, what do I do? How do I do this? What does it look like? So I'm going to show you. We go from one Saul to another. Let's turn to Acts chapter 9. We're going to go from King Saul to the disciple Saul. This is Saul before he becomes Paul. Acts chapter 9, land on verse 20. I'm getting there. All right. We're going to read this whole section about Saul in Damascus and Jerusalem because I want to actually walk you through it. And I want you to see what this looks like, that when we attain these eight principles in our lives and we learn what the fear of the Lord is, this is what your life is supposed to look like. This is what your life should represent, not only to those around you, but when you go to another nation. Chapter uh, 9, verse 20 says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take men as prisoners to the chief priest? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. After many days had gone by, the Jews conspired to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his... Followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. So, so far we see what? We see that Saul, he's preaching. He's preaching Jesus Christ. He's preaching that Jesus is the Son of God and he's growing in power. So as he does, he is becoming more powerful. So he's not just sitting. He's not just waiting for the power to come. He's actually stepping out in faith and he is doing the very will of God. He's preaching Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He is preaching and he's becoming more powerful for this. Now watch this in verse 26. It says, When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the, uh, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. <laughs> oh, it says um, they really couldn't believe it. Again, sometimes things that do not appear what they are, we have to take a second to re-examine them. We can't let that fear jump back on us at any time it says that they were afraid of him why were they afraid of him because they didn't believe it was really him they didn't believe what they were seeing they're like no no way he can't be a disciple we do that so often the lord speaks something to us it's good for a week or two but then we have that doubt and fear set in and what happens someone may question you oh brother you sure you heard that from the lord Uh, yeah, yeah. Or if it doesn't come to pass in time. So we put this time frame on God that, well, he spoke this to me, and I mean, that's probably supposed to be two or three months. Two or three months go by, it doesn't happen. You say, well, well, maybe it was four or five months. Four or five months go by, still doesn't manifest. You say, well, you begin to doubt yourself. Maybe God really didn't tell me that. Why do we do that? We're allowing that fear to creep into us. Doubt. Remember, doubt and fear. <clears throat> and so Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Saw in this moment because he preached fearlessly because he had the fear of the Lord what it do in turn it caused other people to fear him he had gained it makes me think back to the to the Daniel 1 20, is that he had got himself so prepared he was 10 times better than those around him everybody can sense it everybody could see it they began to have fear of him and that's how we should be We should have such a boldness about ourselves because of Christ that's living in us that the enemy should be fearful of us. We should not allow the reverse to take place in our life. The doubt and the fear should not overcome us where we're fearful. No, we should maintain that reverent fear of the Lord in our life. So just to recap right here, Saul he preaches Jesus he calls upon the name of Jesus he grew more powerful others were afraid of him and he preached fearlessly in Jesus name he spoke things boldly so we're going to bring this to a close if you would stand up with me We're not quite finished. I want to read verse 31 with you. He says, Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace. It was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Church, I'm, I pray tonight that what you turned your ear to, what you heard, would do just this. Through the leading of the Holy Spirit, you would be strengthened, you would be encouraged, that leaving this place tonight, you would be able to be ten times better and be on your way to fulfilling what God has called you to this church for. That you would leave with a new fear of the Lord in you. You would no longer entertain these other gods that you have set up as other fears in your life. As we're standing, I'm going to close with Revelation 14. Don't turn there. I just want you to listen. I want you to just meditate on what I'm saying. This is John speaking. He says, Then. I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Church, tonight. I want to pray that the fear of the Lord is in your heart because you have this same great commission that is to proclaim the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ to all the nations. You can only do that if you are empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can only do that if you're going to give God glory. You can only do that if you fear Him. I'm going to say, church, when we begin to worship Him, as it says, Worship our God. You search your heart. What is it that you're fearful of in your life? What is it that needs to die? Whether it's a fear or it's a doubt, it doesn't matter. There's something that's hidden in your heart that is keeping you in the orange jumpsuit. It's keeping you from doing that very will of God.